For those of you listening in on this podcast, we're here today with Larry M. Davis, um, ACC's uh, Chief Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Officer. Uh, I'm Rachel Barrera. I'm an instructional designer with the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division. Alexa, would you like to introduce yourself, our co-host for the podcast? Hi, everybody. I'm Alexa Haverlaw. I am the content marketing intern for TLED. Um, I work on our weekly newsletter, and I also interview faculty and uh, share their stories with you. And Larry, would you like to introduce yourself to? <laughs> and of course, I'm Larry Davis, Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer at ACC. I've had the privilege of serving here now for one year. I'm enjoying every moment of it, uh, getting acquainted with and working with faculty, staff, employees, and all other constituents. Very proud to be a river bat, and I'm very upbeat and excited about what we can do as a district and as an organization, not just for the Austin area and not just for Texas, but really nationally and perhaps for the world. Wonderful. Do you, you started out telling us a little bit about your background. Can you kind of ex, uh, explore what brought you to ACC? Uh, prior to coming to ACC, I served as the first chief diversity officer of Texas A&M University Central Texas in Colleen, where I was also serving as director of student success. And prior to that time, I did uh, four years at Texas State Technical College of Waco, Texas has a uh, retention coordinator, and I've had a wide variety of different kinds of employment experiences. I've worked for nonprofits. I've served as a pastor. I've served as a vocational rehabilitation counselor for the blind and visually impaired adults and children. I've served as a uh, director of Waco Boys and Girls Clubs, working with uh, juvenile delinquents and uh, economically disadvantaged uh, children. And of course, I've had the honor and privilege of serving in middle school as a student advocate for <laughs> at Travis uh, Science Center. So let's just say I've had a lot of experience uh, dealing with many uh, individuals from various backgrounds, uh, many marginalized and what you would call in society underdogs. And so all of those experiences led up to this opportunity to serve as ACC's first Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer. And in leaving A&M Central, I came to ACC because A, I looked at ACC's demographics and makeup. I looked at ACC's plans for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I thought, and I still think they are among the best in the uh, nation. And I wanted to have an opportunity to join with colleagues like yourselves and others across the district to make the good work that we're doing here in equity, diversity, and inclusion even better. And so I, again, 
there was nothing negative that I saw that would discourage me. And after a year of being here at ACC, there is nothing that discourages me. Again, I'm, I'm very confident that together we're going to do a great work here at ACC and make, make a real transforming difference. What sets ACC's goals for diversity and equity apart from those of other community colleges nationally? Absolutely. Well, there is a deliberate and intentional focus, for example, by our chancellor. As you know, our chancellor has several, at least six priorities that he has for our institution. And number one, of course, is reducing inequities. And uh, ACC is known nationally for its efforts to try and eliminate some of the major inequities in student outcomes, particularly by race and gender, but also by any identity or by any measure where we find a significant gap between the performance of one group of students relative to another group of students. ACC is also among the first of uh, institutions of higher learning to have a transformation racial healing uh, center as well. And we are among the first 10 cohorts to have what's called a racial equity leadership academy uh, role nationally as well through the University of Southern California's Racial Center for Equity. And so those are just a couple of examples of how ACC stands out. But the most important thing of all is I can actually see relationships here at ACC where people in good faith, whether they understand fully what DEI is all about or not, there really seems to be a genuine willingness on the part of the majority of faculty, staff, employees, leaders to really be a place where ACC indeed is for everybody. And there seems to be a very systematic, although at times it, it doesn't always appear that way, there is a systematic and unifying effort to create the kind of climate where everybody is welcome here, regardless of where they come from, their background, the way they choose to identify or actually identify. There is a genuine, real effort going on. And that is what distinguishes us, in my opinion, from uh, the majority of other institutions of higher learning here in America. As a, the resident young person, I would call that a vibe. And there is definitely a vibe at ACC of inclusiveness. Absolutely. Yeah. And DEI stands for diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yes, Rachel. Absolutely. Can you kind of define those a little bit just for those who may not know what that means? Sure. When we're talking about diversity in general, we're talking about identity, culture, and background. When we're talking about inclusion, generally we're talking about taking those identities and structuring processes and procedures where everybody feels welcome 
where everybody feels like they belong, they connect. It's kind of like with our chancellor's three C's, collaboration, connection, and care. And equity, of course, is where we take a look at the data and where we see a significant gap in student performance, for example, or in faculty and staff representation. We go about looking for ways to find what's causing those gaps and then to provide each individual or each unit or organization what they need to correct those gaps. As you know, the definition of equity basically is giving everybody what they need in order to be successful. People sometimes confuse equity with equality. Equality is the wonderful goal of where we, we want to have a society where everybody is on a equal footing. We want, a, we want a society where nobody feels or is actually shorted or denied an opportunity in any aspect of life. But the reality is everybody doesn't start from the same position or the same role. And so equity's goal is to provide each person what they need in order to succeed and to provide what is needed to correct whatever structures barriers or processes are creating, whether it's intentional or deliberate barriers to any individual from advancing forward. So that's distinction between diversity. Again, that's about differences and identity. Inclusion is about welcoming, appreciating, honoring those differences. And equity is about providing the resources needed to correct any inequities we see and outcomes. Well, thank you for that. That's a very good, precise explanation um, that, you know, I think is really great because usually I get really, really, really long ones. And I think you've, you've really explained them really well in, in the context of each other. And that's really helpful. Um, you, so now that, now that you're at ACC in this wonderful role of Chief Equity, Diversity and Inclusion Officer, um, what how, what are you doing in this role? Um, what does that entail? What's your day to day? What's the long term goals for for your for your your office here? Thank you so much, Rachel. As you know, all of us when we're selected at ACC or anywhere else, we get this long job description, and and it sometimes it's a novel, and it <laughs> and. Uh, and we all know that infamous all other duties has assigned. Well, what I do is this. I, I asked a direct question of my leadership. I said, okay, I've got this long list. What is it you actually want me to do? If you were to summarize, what am I supposed to do? And I really appreciate the chancellor and our past provost for making it clear what their expectations were. And the expectation is, A, to work with professionals on the instructional side to make sure that equity mindedness is embedded in all that we do, our practices, our processes, the way we teach, the way we learn. And on the staff side, likewise, to sustain the uh, work of creating equity mindedness as well. So in, in, in its simplest terms, that's, that's my role. Now on a day-to-day -day function, what that looks like is it may look like doing presentations 
to uh, different departments about the chancellor priorities, some of the equity goals, and some of the objectives that we're attempting to accomplish. It may involve also working with TLED, doing presentations and new faculty onboarding regarding uh, DEI and strength-based initiatives. It may be on a flip day working with HR, doing something similar with uh, with uh, new employees on the staff side, it may involve uh, it may involve chairing the equity council, which is newly created, to uh, study and get a big picture look of equity initiatives across the district and ways in which we can bring people and resources together. And it could be something like getting a private newly created foundation. I'm not going to mention the name of, of it because of the nature of their negotiations with an area of study, but it may be an organization coming up and saying, Mr. Davis, we would like to do something that would help increase uh, generational wealth for minoritized or marginalized students, and we would like to do it with this particular program. Uh, make it helping make connections between that particular academic program and that organization. So it's a variety of things, but the essence is to help the institution build its capacity for producing equitable outcomes. We, well, some of the things, as you know, we would like to see, we would like to see a higher percentage of um, faculty representation that is more diverse. Not that there's anything wrong with our present faculty, but research and evidence shows that the more diverse a faculty body you have, the greater the student outcomes are for all students, white and uh, non-white students. So that's one of our goals. Uh, obviously, if we see that there's a huge gap in the graduation rates of, say, Black and Latinx students in a given field of program relative to that of a white students. We want to see what we can do to shrink that gap of achievement levels. So in a typical day, and that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are many, many other responsibilities, but that's that's a that's a brief snapshot of what And you're just getting started. It's just your first year. Oh, it's just the first year. Who knows what surprises are in store as we continue, as we continue to move forward. There's, there's only one way to go for, for, for your area, and that's growth. And that's awesome because that's going to be supporting faculty and employees and students. And yeah, I, I really think that what ACC is doing as far as supporting uh, diversity, equity, inclusion is fantastic. And you're right. I mean, they, you know, they are, you know, I feel like they're, I feel like we're leading. I really do um, in terms of this kind of work. And um, to switch it up a little, um, I'm going to ask you about your purpose in terms of your life. Uh, one of the things that we do, one of the initiatives that we do every year at the Teaching and Learning Excellence Division is we choose a theme every year to guide our work and everything that we do. And this year it's a purpose and belonging. Um, 
you know, in support of student success, but, you know, it's include, includes, includes everyone, right? And so in terms of um, purpose and belonging in your own life, as you were talking about what you've done in the past, I could see how your purpose um, evolved. And so what do you believe is your, is your purpose, you know, do you, how did you discover it? If you feel that you had an aha moment of discovering, like, these are the themes of, of the work and, and the life that I've been leading. Can you talk a little bit of, about that? Sure, of course. Well, you know, it's interesting. I'll take you back to my childhood growing up. By <laughs> statistical measures, and for that matter, unfortunately, some societal measures, uh, <clears throat> I was not supposed to be where I am today. <laughs> As a young African-American male, you know, there's a there is a stereotype and there is a prescription, unfortunately, in our culture that uh, people like myself uh, have really one reason for existing and it's not doing what I'm doing. But the great news is because of my great faith in God and and, and that overwhelming conviction that if we start with the good in people, what's right and what's good about all people, we can get a lot more done. I discovered rather rapidly at a young age that my purpose in life was to be a resource, to be someone that could help others who were considered as others, less than, marginalized, or underdogs, uh, see Number one, there is hope for a better life. Number two, there are ways to get it, good and appropriate ways to uh, achieve it and, and get it. And that, that was my purpose. It was pretty clear. It was pretty clear to me from age, I would say from age eight or nine, because of the way I was raised and my life experiences, I was created here to make a difference and to make a specific difference for people who were marginalized a challenge and again when i look at all the work that i've done i've worked with economically disadvantaged families obviously i've worked with uh, racially diverse families and people obviously i've worked with the, the visually impaired the physically uh, what we would call in the past handicapped but now challenged uh, i've worked with uh, different gender identities in, in my work and in the capacity of work that I've done on down the line. Oh, and by the way, yes, uh, I've also served in the role of pastor too. So I have worked, the common thread that I see is the creator put me here to help people overcome what seems like insurmountable odds, what seems like having the deck stacked against them, providing tools, wisdom, resources, things of this nature, as each individual has need. Again, there's that equity thing because the same tools don't work for everybody. But helping people identify what's, what can work and what can get them through. And what I found is a asset-based mindedness or strength-based mindedness is the key because that's what's best and right about every human being. Everybody has some strengths. Everybody has some cultural wealth. And if you start from what they have, 
what's best and right about them, it actually becomes easier to help each individual then develop to their fullest potential, access the right and appropriate resources so they can grow, so they can move forward, so they can, whatever obstacles come in front of them, they can overcome them. While at the same time, you work on the structures and you work on the pieces of society that has created these uh, barriers, whether intentional or unintentional, to try to dismantle them and recreate them into new processes and procedures that fully benefit all people. So it wasn't no one and done experience like a, a light bulb hit me over overnight, but through my life experiences, through my walk with God, through my education, through my experiences and working with people and learning with people and focusing on what was right about people. It's not that I ignored the deficits or the weaknesses because you can't ignore the deficits or the weaknesses, but what you can do is prioritize what's going to be your focus. And if you spend 80% of the time identifying and helping people develop their strengths, what's right about them, and only about 20% of the time managing their weaknesses, you, you achieve more and you transform and you change more. And that I have found that, that that's not a silver bullet, but I found that that practice, that consistently works regardless of where a person comes from, regardless of what arena you're operating in, if you take that approach, you can create and make lasting and sustainable changes. So whether you say asset-mindedness, or whether you say strength-based mindedness, whether you say cultural wealth, whatever terminology you use, it's the same thing. You're starting with what is right about people. And you take that and you build with that and you really make a lasting difference. And so that's my purpose. My purpose is to find, help identify that best in people, that which is best in organizations, processes and procedures, build from there. And then at the same time along the way, dismantle whatever might be considered a weakness and uh, not not let it stop the uh, growth and development and progress of people in of our society. So um, I hope I didn't go too far off in left field. I hope that was pretty pretty clear. But yeah, that, that's my purpose. That's my purpose. I'm proud of it. And at 63 years young, I plan I plan to continue that push and continue uh, that effort until the day to creator decides to call me home. <laughs> that was beautiful. And I like that you talked about um, the strengths finder assessment, because that's how I first heard your name was mm -hmm. you sent that out. And I love strengths finder. I agree with you a hundred percent that we should spend the majority of our time on our strengths and not give too much attention to our weaknesses. Um, Cause like you said, everybody has strengths, everybody has a story. And I really love how you were talking about how we can 
you know, build each other up individually, but also how we can dismantle barriers institutionally. That is just beautiful because it does have to be both. Right. You know? You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. So th- this is, this is, ex- this is, I'm going to tell you, Rachel and <laughs> Alexa, this is an exciting journey. I, I may I may come off like a geek, and, and if so, I'm the biggest and proudest geek of all. I love what we're doing. This, this is a way of life that is worth every single breath. This is something, wow. This, <laughs> I can't put enough words and exclamations into this to really emphasize how I feel and how I enjoy doing this. Is this hard work? Yes, it's hard work, but it's joyful work. There's, there is nothing to be afraid of with uh, DEI. Nothing wrong with diversity. Uh, there is value. There is power. There is life in appreciating, honoring, and leveraging these wonderful differences, good differences that we all bring to the table. And so my vision one day is that at ACC, we will be the premier institution of higher learning where any faculty member can talk to another faculty member so transparently about their strengths and how working together they can overcome biases or things that they might be doing on their part that's hurting rather than helping their students. But at the same time, can talk with their students about each other's strengths and how those kinds of conversations and relationships that shape the way teaching is done, shapes the way that curriculum is uh, presented and, and fosters those learning communities and those learning outcomes and things that dramatically change and transform people's lives for the better. I said that in my first month of working here, the vision is one day, all of the faculty members will be able to talk very openly and clearly with each other and with their students about their wonderful cultural wealth and strength. And they'll figure out ways to make that work. And that in turn will have the effect of causing us to look at our processes and procedures in a similar way. This is what's good about our process and procedures and benefits all students and employees and faculty. These things that are not, we can change and we can restructure some of these processes and procedures so that they benefit more. Because at the end of the day, DEI is not about replacing people some people feel like it's about replacing them. No, absolutely not. Neither is it about leaving anybody behind, but it's about bringing everybody up. It's about increasing life, value, good things for all people. Because after all, this world is... We're experiencing technical difficulties. We don't know if a transformer was hit. But uh, all of a sudden, in the middle of our last conversation, uh, all the power went out. We're working to get things restored. We think a transformer was hit. But in any event, I just called back in. I was trying to reboot on the computer. Are, are Are we still recording?
Yes, we are. Larry, I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh, it's no, it's no, it's no problem. Things, things happen. <laughs> I was surprised. I, I, I said to myself, uh, I said, wow, we, we're getting really pumped up and excited and zapped. <laughs> well, this will be our last question. That way you can well, deal with that. Do you want to finish? Sure. No problem. Thought? No problem. Do you want to finish your last thought? Cause you were, you were, I feel like you were going to end that in a really great way, but then we didn't get to it. Do you remember what you were going to say? <laughs> I, I was just, I was just going to simply say, uh, I, 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 there is great value in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it really benefits all people. And so my sincere hope and dream is that through the work of so many people of goodwill, not just at our college and across the district, but in the community, that people will take it to heart and, and give it a good faith effort, and they will find the benefits for appreciating, valuing, and leveraging each other's good differences, strengths, and cultural wealth is, is really worth it. And we're going to see wonderful transformation within our culture if people do that. And that was, that was the thought that I was going to close with. On all those comments. Wonderful, very wonderful. We've we've had a really great time with you, learning from you, learning with you um, during this podcast. And our our last question really is about is about belonging. You spoke about purpose. Um, okay. But we know belonging is such an important um, theme in the lives uh, of everyone, especially our students. Feeling like you belong uh, where you are. Right, so that you can and you know what what do you see in terms of of ACC and what in your in your role also what you know what are we doing what can we do to help students have that sense of belonging when they go to a campus when they enter the classroom? Absolutely, uh, uh, some of the things that we can do is we can make sure that we're culturally inclusive of things that students can connect and relate to, whether it be in the classroom or outside of the classroom. For example, uh, later this week, the Truth Racial Healing Transformation Campus Center is sponsoring a, um, a meeting where students of Arab, and Arabic descent and backgrounds can come and just uh, talk, talk about their feelings of what our institution can do to create a more welcoming environment for them. We, uh, we constantly look for feedback from our students. And when we receive feedback from our students, we like to, uh, take some steps, such as this focus group meeting that we're having this, uh, I believe it's Friday, at the Truth Racial Healing Transformation Center, where we give our students an opportunity to come and share with us what some of their concerns and needs are. And in response to that, we partner with Student Life, uh, we partner with academic programs and other student affairs units to create resources if they're not available to help students feel more welcome. 
we're next summer going to be opening a Asian American Pacific Islander cultural center, which would join our African American cultural center we already have and our Hispanic Latin American studies center that we already have. And again, with an emphasis upon those specific cultures, we're, we're also looking at doing similar long-term things for other key demographical groups making up our institution. But whether it's actions on those scales or whether it's something as simple as making sure that when we have students with differences, we include their culture and their background in our classes, in our meeting rooms. You know, we also have safe spaces that we have for LBGTQIA students as well. Just those little yet collective things that we can do as individuals and as departments that say to all of our students, you belong here, you welcome here, that say to all of our staff and faculty, you belong here. You know, we're creating affinity groups through TLED for our different fac faculty interests. But the main key is to help people belong, you have to be proactive. You have to go out and find out what they need, what they would like to receive that would indicate to them that they are indeed welcome and valued here. And when we take those steps, when we do those things, that's how we foster a sense of belonging. That's how that's how we let people know you're here. We all identify as river bats. That's our common denominator at ACC. We're all river bats. So we can both build a common identity around being river bats. And the way we show that we all are river bats is we take pieces and things of each other. And we were it. We, we were it. We promote it. We intentionally tell people, I want you. I value you. I appreciate you. Those collective steps done by the thousands and thousands of staff and students, administrators and constituents of ACC is what will create that common belonging. Because at the end of the day, ACC is for everyone and we're all river bats. We're different. But those differences are wonderful. But yet, our differences collectively make us one well-united body of uh, river bats. And so that's that's what belonging is to me. I, I felt welcome from the day I stepped into the ACC family. And I'm going to do everything I can to working with other river bats to make sure that we create a culture and environment for everyone who comes here. I hope when they graduate and I hope when they receive their degree, I hope mentally and socially they're going to always want to be a part of us. And really and truthfully, I hope they don't want to leave. <laughs> That's when you know you belong, when people hate to see, when people hate to see you go. I, I love that. Well, that's, that's absolutely wonderful. You gave some great examples uh, of the things that, that you know, we should all be doing and working towards to, to, to make sure that everybody feels like they belong and especially, especially our students here at ACC. So thank you so much for that.
Thank you. My pleasure. Larry, you've been so awesome. You, you're our first guest, and so you set the bar really high. Um, <laughs> and it's been it's been wonderful to talk to you about purpose and belonging. I think what I take from what you were just saying is like it's just so nice to hear. You know, you belong here. We want you here. If there's one thing that um, that faculty can say to students or that they can say to each other, it's you know that that little statement says a lot. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> well, Alexa and Rachel, it was an honor and a pleasure to be here with both of you today. Thank you for the wonderful work that you both are doing respectively also for ACC. And, um, I, I'm just looking forward to a wonderful adventure and a wonderful journey that our institution has taken. And I can hardly wait to see the good places that ACC is going to go. ACC is for everybody, and ACC is a leader in purpose and belonging, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and any other measure that you want to uh, evaluate the value of a uh, institution of higher learning. And I'm very, very proud to be part of this great Riverbat family. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, for audience listening, uh, thank you for joining us as well. And we will see you next time. Thank you.